Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. We are going to Omaha. This is the College Baseball World Series preview. We have our superstar reporter of all things college baseball, Pete Flaherty, where you can also find his work at Baseball America. And then we have Jack McMullen, who knows every place to eat around the stadium in each college baseball park. And then, of course, he knows his good a bit about college baseball. And then there's me. And I got some futures, and I'm very excited for this College Baseball World Series in Omaha. It is Wednesday, June 14th, and we are brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Use promo code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM sports app on iOS or Android, or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Pete, it's the best time of the year. How are you? I'm fired up. As you said, it's the best time of the year. We just finished up Supers, and now we've got got our eight for Omaha, and there will be a national champion in less than two weeks. So uh, really exciting times. Hey, Pete Flaherty, I've got a riddle for you. If a fly ball is hit to shallow right center in Palo Alto, Does somebody catch it at, at past six o'clock Pacific time? No, the Palo Alto sky has, there has been, there have been many a story about the Palo Alto sky and the twilight. And it's, it, there's really no worse way to lose a game than that, especially for a Texas team who had an outstanding year. They were in the middle of an outstanding run. And especially in the outfield with two veteran guys, the the anchors of that program and Eric Kennedy and Dylan Campbell, who they have no reason whatsoever to hang their heads. Um, they were excellent for him, but man, that was a, that was a really tough way to lose. Uh, I, I off the, that whole ninth inning was insane. So uh, just a, just a brutal way to, to have your season end. So before we get into it, I was overstimulated for like a 30-minute spurt because it was the Nuggets closing out a tight game to win the NBA Finals. It was that ball falling in the Stanford Super. And then it was Ricky Karcher's Major League debut with his save. And Ricky Karcher, like I've kind of firmly planted my flag that he's the least fun that I have watching a pitcher in baseball, like minor league or major league, because it's it's a mess. It's missing above a hitter's helmet. It's spiking a pitch, but somehow he got out of it. So I was, I needed to go to bed after that 30 minute stretch. And that fly ball in Stanford was the icing on the cake for me. 
Unbelievable. And also to adding to the stimulation, I'm more, I'm, I was heavily in the college side last night. So I had Southern Miss and Tennessee rolling. So I went from the Drew Bowser walk off to, and then Chase Burns in the seventh inning being looking like an absolute sicko in the best way possible. 102 elevated and then doing like the throat slash and like yeah. unbelievable. That got me so fired up. Granted, I felt like I was gonna be able to stay up for the rest of the game. I fell asleep like in the commercial break, but uh, that was that was still electric. Yeah, we're speaking to you at a good time, Pete, because we're gonna go through the eight remaining teams and we're gonna lay a path for all of them to win the College World Series. But I can assume by the tone of our voice, you're gonna see who we really think is going to win. And then at the end of this episode, we will do our predictions. So let's start with Stanford because they just eked into the final eight teams after the horrendous loss by Texas. I can't imagine those college kids walking back into the dugout after dropping a fly ball deep into the night in order for Stanford to walk it off against a really, really good Texas team. But this Stanford team has been excellent all year. One of my futures is, of course, on Stanford, so I'm very excited to see them enter into the final eight teams. They're led by some of just the most stacked lineup. I think led by Brady Montgomery because I think he's the most exciting because he's a two-way guy, but Tommy Troy is going to go really high in this draft too. We could continue to go down the lane of their lineup. But Pete, why can Stanford win the entire thing? I mean, as you said it, they're led by, I'd put that lineup up against anyone in Omaha right now. You talk about Troy and Alberto Rios kind of leading the charge with 17 and 18 home runs, respectively. Rios won the Pac-12 player of the year. Troy, a likely top 20 overall selection. And then it's not just them. I mean, they've got a, a high contact guy in Eddie Park up at the top. Brain Montgomery, as you mentioned, is one of the most dynamic players in college baseball, especially in the sophomore class. And then sort of like what's crazy is down in the, the middle to bottom third of the order, they've got guys like Malcolm Moore, Pac-12 freshman of the year, Carter Graham, who really came on as of late, and Drew Bowser. I know the back of the baseball card isn't looking great, but he's a guy that has continuously stepped up for him in the postseason, and this year is no different. He's playing some of the best baseball that he has in his Stanford career. And so all nine of their regulars are firing all cylinders right now. And then if you go to the other side of the baseball on the mound, I think it definitely starts with Quinn Matthews, who a couple nights ago fired a 156 pitch complete game. I know there's varying opinions on it, but uh, plus changeup, plus slider, the competitiveness is double plus, obviously. Um, he'll literally throw until his arm falls off. There's nothing he loves more than than wearing Stanford across his chest and representing the university. So he's a great guy to have for you. I know the bullpen's been a little inconsistent, but the arm talent is immense. Ryan Bruno, when he's on, is for my money's worth the best closure in the country. The key is just getting him on and around the strike zone. And then you've got Matt Scott, who's been good as a freshman and kind of rounding out the rotation. Joey Dixon's taking a big jump. So they have what it takes. And above all, they've got experience playing here. Like for Eddie Park, this is his third trip to Omaha. Tommy Troy, third trip to Omaha. Some of their, some of these guys, or most of these guys, it's their third time. So they know what it's like here. They don't know what it's like to win the national championship, but they do know what it takes. So that's one, that's, those are a few reasons why I like Stanford in this type of setting. And they're on the biggest of stages, they're not going to be phased and they're not going to blink. So um, I, I think the experience is going to be a huge key. On the Hill, I kind of like that freshman Dugan that started game three of the Super yesterday. Like, he, he definitely showed some good stuff. Kyle Peterson is my favorite baseball analyst, regardless of level. I think that guy is amazing. He knows exactly what he's talking about. And he and Mike Monaco had a good conversation about Eddie Park. He, he saw what? During that Super Regional three-game set, he saw over 50 pitches. Like, that is exactly what you need from a leadoff guy. My one follow-up here is Braden Montgomery. Is he a true two-way guy like is he a Caglione or is he for the most part a hitter because I I saw he threw a bit more what last year than he did this year is this a guy that we'll see on the mound and at the plate in Omaha or no so I think if Stanford if they really really need an arm or if they really need a couple innings to be in whether it's them up by a double digit margin or I don't think this will be the case but if they're trailing by a double digit margin I think you might see him just to eat a couple but I think he's more hitter than pitcher at this point. Uh, the arm strength is immense. He's got, I think, an 
a, a strong 70 borderline 80 arm in right field. Um, he's really, he's got a, a hit power combo. That's really good at the plate. Um, he's a legit threat from both sides. And I think that in just looking at how they've used him this year, you can tell just, you know, they rely on him more as a hitter and that's not to say he's, he's not, um, talented on the mound, but, um, I think he's, he's, he's definitely more here than pitcher. And I'd be a little surprised if I see him toeing the rubber in Omaha. Gotcha. Pete, I've been hurt by Stanford before. And I have a future on them, of course. And I'm very excited for them. And I want them to win. I even made a TikTok about it. I was like, I want them to win, but I'm the least confident of any of these teams because you said they won't blink in the face of pressure. And when you look at the roster and you look at the comeback against Texas, it's giving me hope that they can finally get past these demons of always falling short in Omaha. What do you see from this team this year that gives you that confidence that they can pull through previous to other years because they always have a really good team yeah and I think like you know you mentioned it and we mentioned it with them not kind of being scared in these big moments which is a testament to these to this to this team's makeup but we saw in the regionals they drop a game and then they win four in a row and you saw in the supers they drop game one to Texas and win two in a row so no matter how this thing starts off or how it's going they're not going to care if they lose or when they lose um, they're going to get right back up off the mat and fight. And they they drew a really, really tough bracket because joining them is Wake, Tennessee, and LSU. And that's just, I mean, that's that's as tough as you're going to see in college baseball. Uh, but you know what? Like they they have just as much talent as anyone in the country. And I think that they're going to they're going to compete right with them. So um, I think if they can get rolling with a hard-fought win to start off, they're really going to start feeling it and firing in all cylinders and and be in a good spot to hoist the trophy. I hope so. They are so due. And another team that is pretty due on that same side of the bracket is the Tennessee Volunteers. They made a lot of noise last year because they were one of the greatest regular season college baseball teams I've ever seen, and they got bounced early, didn't even make it to Omaha. This season, they get past a good Southern Miss team, even though I felt that every single game was a battle. But the reason why I love turning on the TV to watch Tennessee is the straight-up gas. We see it now in the big leagues with Ben Joyce, who was throwing 105. Now we got Chase Burns. This college just creates velocity. Why does Tennessee get over the demons of last year and win the World Series. So it's funny. Last year, the Tennessee, like their the strength of that team was their offense. I mean, they excuse me, they banged top to bottom. And then you look at the rotation from last year. It's you got Burns and Dolander and Beam. Um, they were all elite, and then they they get upset by by Notre Dame at Lindsey Nelson and, and get sent home early. So that's something I know for a fact that this team from this year and the outstanding coaching staff they have there led by coach Vitello. That's something that they've had in the back of their mind as they went through fall ball through preseason practice and throughout the season, kind of keeping that chip on their shoulder, knowing that they had a huge target on their back throughout um, and, and really having a lot of fuel to that fire. And I think that you just saw it magnified in the postseason. And I, I kind of had a feeling that they, and this is so easy for me to say now, given that they're in Omaha, but I had a feeling that they had a college world series run in their future um, after that 14 inning win against Clemson. I was like, you know what? They, they go and they beat the fourth, the, the number four overall seed um, in their place. They, they pull off a huge win like that. And I think it's just going to be momentum that they'll keep riding. And um, they, they take two in a row from Southern Miss to advance. I think that with Tennessee this year, um, they've, it took them a little while, but I think that they finally have it figured out where, you know, each arm slots in and where they're, they're, they're best out of. I know with Burns last night, we saw it in a late inning role. He was excellent. Two and two thirds shutout innings with four Ks. We mentioned the 102 mile hour fastball. Um, Drew Beam has been excellent. He's a strike thrower. Chase Dolander, everyone knows about the upside he has. And then a guy that's like kind of came out of nowhere um, from the start and compared to the start of the season, at least, is junior right-hander Andrew Lindsay, who's emerged as their Friday guy. Uh, 2.8 ERA across 67 innings and 69 strikeouts. He's a strike thrower up to 95. Good sinker. Um, and then the lineup, again, it's not as, I think, 
I guess formidable is that like the, it's still a really good lineup. It's going to be tough to touch that lineup with Gilbert and Beck and um, Lipscomb from last year, but they've still got Jared Dickey up at the top. Veteran Griffin Merritt's been excellent. Uh, Christian Moore, Maui Huna. I mean, it's a really, really, really good lineup. And then Blake Burke, who I know has some of the most raw power in college baseball. And I think the fact that they're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder, uh, this is their second time in Omaha in three seasons. So again, similar to Stanford, they know what it's like and um, they they get conference foe LSU in their bracket. So they're going to be amped for a, a matchup with the Tigers. Real quick, Pete, the four month progression of Chase Dolander has been interesting and somewhat unfortunate, I guess, for Dolander, even though not too unfortunate because he'll still go top 10. He'll still get a really good number um, in terms of bonus when he gets picked. But Dolander was like consensus, the best pitcher in America coming into this year. And then Skeens has this crazy breakout. We knew that he was good. Did we think that he was going to leapfrog Dolander? Maybe not. Dolander has been a subdued version of his sophomore self from a year ago. I think there are a lot of baseball fans that are going to tune into the College World Series and watch Dolander for the first time. If you had to give us the primer on junior year 2023 Chase Dolander, what does it look like? Honestly, in my opinion, it's as simple as this. If he gets through the first inning unscathed, he's going to cruise. Because I saw a really interesting stat. Yeah. I think it was last week, a little over a week ago. Um, he His first inning ERA, and I think this has changed from the time um, this was, I found it because he has he started since. But um, the, his first inning ERA is 10.93. And then after the first, it's 1.29, which I think that's just a byproduct. I mean, you watch him pitch. I think it takes him a little bit to get a feel for the slider. Um, I, I think to, to hone his, to hone in his command, I think it takes a little bit. So if he gets through the first inning unscathed, I think you, there, it's a really, really good chance that you're going to see the top five to top 10 overall pick chase Dolander. Everyone's talking about and, and him at his best. So for him, I think it's just getting the feel early, getting off to a good start and building confidence. The shortstop too. Ohuna, I think he he's going to go in the first round, right? Too. What have you seen from him this season? Yeah, I think with Maui, I don't know if he's a first round guy. I think he's a a a, a top hundred or so overall pick type guy. Which again, we're it, it's still an excellent spot to be in. He can really pick it on the dirt. Plus arm, really good actions. Um, smooth left handed swing. He's come on as of late form. Strikeouts are a little high, but uh, really good swing. He's he can drive the ball to either gap. Um, and he's, uh, he's a really good guy to have up the middle. Just a huge transfer for that team too. adding him up. The middle is, is enormous. So staying on that side of the bracket again, we got LSU who's the preseason favorite led by the cruise missile, Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens, who might go second overall to Dylan Cruz. But I know Jack has a question about the top of the draft. You got Tommy tanks, the transfer from NC state who led all of college baseball and home runs as a freshman this team is loaded but doesn't it sort of have the feel with LSU that the best team doesn't always win like right now it is Wake Forest and LSU came into the season as the preseason number one but then now I'm thinking wait are they being overlooked what is your what are your feelings right now on LSU so they're again they're it, it took them a while um, and we kind of saw their holes in the month of May and the SEC tournament with the bullpen. But again, I've seen in regional and super regional, they finally figured out where each of these, their arms kind of fit best and, and where they can be most effective. And you talk about the offense, obviously led by Dylan Cruz and Tommy White, um, but they've got a really good supporting cast with veteran Cade Beloso, who has had a really good postseason. Trey Morgan again, really dynamic first base corner outfield type guy. Jared Jones has thunderous raw power. I mean, you could go up and down that lineup and, and make a case for everyone. And honestly, a sleeper guy is Hayden Travinsky. He's got under 90 at bats this year, but when he's in, he's got, he's, he's come through with clutch hit after clutch hit. So um, it's kind of easy to envision him potentially getting, getting a pinch hit spot or, or, or getting the start in a big Omaha game and coming through with a, 
with a big time knock. But on the arm side, again, it starts with Skeens. With him on the mound, he's he's the best college pitcher in the last decade, maybe even more. One seven seven ERA, one hundred eighty eight strikeouts, just eighteen walks. Fastball up to one hundred two plus plus slider plus plus changeup. I mean, he is a an absolute workhorse out there. Um, so I mean, giving him the ball whenever you do, um, you get a pretty you you get a pretty good chance that you're going to come away with a win. So, I think his his he's obviously invaluable, and um, it's impossible to overstate how how excellent a pitcher he is. And then even Ty Floyd is your number two. Um, he's been inconsistent at the times at times, but the stuff is really good. I like how the ball comes out of his hand. It's really low effort. Um, his flash plus breaking ball. Uh, fastball up to 98 and then at the bullpen again they tell us use in their defense um, even given their struggles they were bit with the injury bug obviously they lost Garrett Edwards and Chase Shores who had been their best guys um, up until their injuries but Gavin Guidry has stepped up Nate Ackenhausen's been good and then you're kind of seeing um, flashes of Riley Cooper who's been good um, and then obviously Javin Coleman getting him back and healthy has been has been a big key for the Tigers. And then Thatcher Heard when he's on, um, he's he's got top half of the first round type stuff, similar to similar to Bruno um with Stanford. I know Bruno's a reliever, Hurd's a starter, but the key for them is just finding it. And when Hurd's on, he's 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 as good as anyone. So just like all eight of these teams in Omaha, they've they've got the talent to win. And I know LSU um they've had a huge target on their back for the for the entirety of the 2023 season and it's not going to change in Omaha so um they're I, I think that they're going to come in fired up with a chip on their shoulder and feeling like they've got something to prove real quick throw your baseball America bucket hat on and put the sunscreen on your nose and don't rub it in <laughs> like do the scout thing uh Skeens is the best pitching prospect since Cole since Strasburg what are we looking at I think since Strasburg, um, I can't better than remember. Garrett Cole. Sorry, how? Yeah, I it might be even since Garrett Cole. Honestly, I I think he's better than Strasburg. Um, I I don't oh. I can't remember a time when there was this sure of a bet of a front of the line starter, probably a number one starter, um, with this type electric stuff. And um, he's gone out and and shoved every single time he's towed the rubber. Um, it's elite makeup, obviously. That's part partially a byproduct of the Air Force Academy, but I think that just adds to the Skeens allure, given like how one of a kind he is and and unicorny. I guess that's not even a word, but just how one of a kind he is, and I think that that's something it, it's going to be difficult to pass up on at one. But I, I I don't know if he gets past the the Nationals at number two. So, There's no way he gets past the Nationals. Like they have a. Uh... They have an affinity for drafting these huge horses that throw gas. Like if he gets past two, I'll be shocked. And he'll be and there September the, one. <laughs> yeah. And even with the risk that pitchers pose and starting pitchers pose, which is something that I understand, but I think that Skeens is such a unique case that you can't you can't pass on that pass, I think, two or at 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 worst three. No, okay, I mean so Oh, no, go ahead, Jack. I was just going to say, like, pitch 123 of his complete game in the regionals was 101 miles an hour. Like, it's it's next-level stuff that we see. I guess Skeens and Cruz, it's the Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist thing. And I know you remember that, Pete Flaherty. I know you're a college hoops guy. But, like, it was must-watch when they got into the tournament. You knew you were watching one and two. We may see some viewership records for the game that Skeen starts in Omaha because you're seeing one and two in the same game. When people turn on college baseball, maybe for the first time this year, and they watch Skeens and Cruz in the same uniform, what are they getting? They're going to be blown away. I think not only by Skeens and Cruz, but the talent in general that's going to Omaha this week. I think it's it's some of the best that we've seen in recent memory, and they're going to be I think they're going to turn on their TV and they're going to see and and easily envision in schemes and even Cruz, but especially schemes, a guy that is the next, I, I think, face of the ML of the pitching side in Major League Baseball, a consistent All Star, um, uh, even a even a potential future Cy Young winner. I mean, there's nobody at the amateur level that's better than Paul Skeens right now. And so I think that that's his type of upside, both um, given that he's the best and then also the stuff that he has. Um, and then with Cruz, they're going to, 
I probably see similar. Um, he's the best hitter, probably the best overall player at the amateur level right now. And he's a sure bet in my mind to make it to the big leagues. And I think he's going to be an impact player up there. So I think with his swing, how well he defends, um, even just how he carries himself, I think that it's going to be really easy for people to see two future high impact big leaguers in Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. Damn. So Jack and I are incredibly giddy just hearing you talk like this about Paul Skeens. I see Jack just ear to ear smiling. I mean, it's awesome. What I will say about Paul Skeens, and this comes from a lot of nerds who who sit in their basement and don't leave. And, you know, it's very dark down there. And they're looking at one of them. I was about to follow that up with I'm one of them. I'm one of them, Um, too. So no shame. (laughs) No shame to all those people. But they are the people saying this. People have a problem with Skeens' fastball shape. I've heard this from multiple people. Have you heard anything about that? I know it's one-on-one, so I care to say, well, it's 101, but we know at the big league level that guys can hit anything as hard as it's coming in. So I'm curious if you've seen that. Do you share that opinion at all? Do you think the nerds are getting too deep into the numbers? Any thoughts on that? Because that's the only downside I've heard to Skeen so far. So I... Again, I think with Skeens, it's like people are just trying to find something to poke a hole in. I don't really have any concern with it. As you mentioned, people can put wood on a bullet in the big league. So whether it's 101 or 201, like big league hitters are so good that they get their barrel on it. But again, with Skeens, I'm not overly concerned. I haven't seen anything that's been of like concern or that's a legit red flag about his game. So until that emerges, I'm just going to kind of enjoy the show. Pete basically just said, suck it, nerds. That's basically what he just said. <laughs> no, because um, like they, <laughs> there are Twitter accounts I follow that like they do a great job and they're they're so like well versed in the data side of things that I'm even learning stuff day to day. But I think as far as Skeens goes, I just until there is something to worry about, I'm not going to worry. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally share your opinion. I was just curious because I have seen that from smart people who I respect. So I was curious if, if you shared the same thing, but you're kind of on the on the boat of. Well, I'll believe it when I see it go wrong because it hasn't gone wrong once so far this season. Um, Let's stay with, and by the way, LSU did kind of beat down on Kentucky. I forgot to go over their their path here. They won 14-0 in game one and 8-3 in game two. Duke versus Virginia, I thought, was one of the most competitive and fun series to watch in the Supers. Duke took the first game in a 5-4 to four battle. Then Virginia just steamrolled them 14-4, to four, and then another steamrolling 12-2. to two. But it felt more competitive than I think the final scores would illustrate. But there's no debate now. Of course, I have a future on Virginia, so I'm very, very excited about the Virginia Cavaliers. Jake Geloff. Kyle Teal's going to go really, really high in this draft because he's he's such a pure catcher, right? He's good defensively, but the bat is so special. Who does, I guess my first question, because I want to get into how Virginia is going to win the entire thing, but I'm so fascinated in Kyle Teal because he has shot up these boards. Who is a prospect? Because we talked about, you know, Paul Skeens to Steven Strasburg. Who is like the Kyle Teal? Is it Henry Davis who went number one to the Pirates a couple of years ago? Who is Kyle Teal in terms of MLB prospects that we have? I mean, you guys are more well, way more well versed in the prospect sphere than I am. So I, I, I'm the, I'm the wrong guy to ask for a prospect comp. But like with Teal, what makes him so enticing? Um, and not only in this year's class that's thin on catching, but in any year, I mean, he's a catcher who can hit. He's really athletic back there. I think the receiving needs a little work, um, which is something I think that you can clean up relatively easily down at, you know, the, down the complex and as he progresses to the minors, but uh, moves really well, super athletic, has a good arm, can throw for multiple slots. Um, he makes plays that I, that are insane. I, the, the first one that comes to my mind is, um, it was a drop third strike or a pass ball, I think in NC state or, um, yeah, at NC state, it kind of skirted to the third base side and he like mid slide. It was like, he went down to a knee, like a middle infielder and fired a strike to the pitcher covering. And then at UVA, there was a drop third strike and he like flipped it. Like again, a middle infielder up the middle, like turning a double play. Um, so he's just a ridiculous athlete. And then the bat is, um, the bat's just unbelievable as it, last year he was, um, you know, 
it was a little bit of a down year for him, but this year it's um, it's been a career year. He's a little more upright in the box. He is a little less head movement, but it's the same violence in his swing that makes him so good. And the contact rates are up. He's got 25 doubles to 13 jacks. The power's up. Um, I think the 69 RBIs are a career high. And um, again, similar to Skeens with, I, I don't know how much you can pass on it. I don't know how long you could pass on. At this point, I think Teal and Blake Mitchell are the best catchers in this class. I don't know how long you can pass on like Kyle Teal. So if, if he could be kind of the guy on draft night that, it there seems to be one every year that's a little bit of a surprise that that gets taken inside the top 10 teal could be that but i don't envision him making it out of the first 20 picks who who's he catching because like virginia their thing has always been pitchability when i close my eyes and i think virginia baseball it's always you know low 90s right maybe a guy that grabs a 95 here and there and they have a good pit they have a good mix and Abbott, like the stuff ticked up after he got out of UVA. That's kind of who I think of. Who's he catching? Like, who are the guys that that can go deep into games for Virginia? Yeah, as you mentioned, it's guys that really know how to pitch. Um, there is good stuff on the staff, but it's nothing like there's no like nutty stuff. Um, I think, um, at least on the the starter side, which isn't to say it's not a great rotation, which it is, but Conley early. 12 and two record transfer from army 98 Ks, eighty two innings plus changeup really good feel for a breaking ball can dot his fastball, Brian edge. And then they've got uh, that was a weird transition, but they've got a pair of transfers, which I think is really interesting. It also speaks to the development aspect at Virginia that coach O'Connor and his staff are, are so excellent at with Brian Edgington from Elon this year, pitched his way to a three, four, seven ERA, 92 Ks and 85 innings. And then Nick Parker, who came from coastal Carolina, which is a notorious hitter friendly park ERAs for pitchers are, are pretty sky high there. Nick Parker has been excellent uh, in Charlottesville, 380 ERA, um, 78 innings and 75 strikeouts. Um, he's, he's, he's been outstanding. Um, for the who's and then in the back end you've got jay Wolfolk, who's a team usa invite electric fastball slider combination um and then 610 lefty jake barry who who comes at you from a really uncomfortable angle so it is kind of that pitching centric uva team but they've they've got as good a one-two punch as anyone with teal and geloff this team um was our big long shot going into the year what's kind of the like we envisioned them at the beginning of the year being able to compete at a level like this, but the Vegas odds didn't really reflect it. What do you think that Virginia did to outperform expectations this year? They the lineup and how productive everyone's been top to bottom has, I think, been unbelievable. Obviously, we can talk for ages about Teal and Geloff with their um, I think 155 total RBIs, but then you have guys like Griff O'Farrell who's hitting a tick below 400 Ethan Anderson, who's a real power threat in the middle of the order. He actually also is matching Teal's 25 doubles and has 14 jacks of his own Northwestern transfer, Ethan O'Donnell, who's a Supreme athlete out in center field and can also really handle the bat. Um, Anthony Stefan, Casey Saki, um, one through nine, similar to similar to a lot of these teams in the field, they're not going to give you a break. So um, I think how productive they've been at the dish has um, it's, it's been a key reason as to why the Cavaliers are sitting here with 50 wins going to Omaha. And if we're going, just talking long shots too, we got a couple of them and we'll go from least ish long, long shot to most ish long shot. And the least ish is the TCU Horn Frogs. Braden Taylor's been a stud, and Trey Richardson is putting up stats that you'd only see in MLB The Show. Describe TCU's, you know, trip to Omaha here because they seem to win games that they shouldn't, and then they pummel games in teams that they should. It's been an incredible ride so far for TCU. Yeah, I mean, they. I think that they're the perfect example of what getting hot at the right time can do for you. Um, you look at them after that series loss to Texas, which really concluded the month of April, and they completely turned over a new leaf. They had an unreal month of May. Um, they had a, they're currently on a 
five. They're on a nine. They're on a nine game winning streak between the Big Twelve tournament and Super Regionals, and they're just a runaway train right now. Obviously, you mentioned Braden Taylor, who is the guy, but Trey Richardson had a ridiculous Fayetteville Regional with that eleven RBI game. Uh, junior slugger Car- Cole Fontenelle has been really good. Carson Bowen, freshman backstop, has 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 been excellent. It's everything is clicking right now for the Horn Frogs. And then you kind of you you look at the mound, look at them on the mound. Fre- they've got another true freshman who's been great, Cole Klecker, um, who most recently threw seven shutout against Indiana State. And I think that he's a guy. I know it, experience is a is a huge key in Omaha, but the way that he's been throwing and the way that he's he's performed this year, I think that he's a guy that you're going to be really comfortable giving the ball to in a big setting. And then getting Luke Savage back out of the bullpen and healthy is huge. Um, ben Abelt's another freshman lefty. I think that he is what they envisioned River Ridings to be, how how lights out Abelt has been. Um, and his ERA, his, his already good ERA of 372, um, it's actually a little inflated due to a to a rough couple of outings at the start of the season. So while they might not have the experience of like a Stanford, um, they're, they're arguably playing the best baseball of anyone in the, in, in the field of eight right now. So um, they're, they're, you're getting them at a really dangerous time. They, they were not supposed to hope host their super. They were supposed to go to Terre Haute scheduling issue brought Indiana state to Fort worth, but with how hot they've been, they probably win that super regional, even if it's in Terre Haute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's so like hindsight's 2020 Indiana States, a really good team. I know TCU swept them, but it was, it was, um, it was, it was hard fought. So again, with it being in Terre Haute, you're obviously, you're now facing a really good road crowd. You're not playing at home where you're most comfortable, but again, I think it would have been hard to see TCU going down in that, in that super regional. Oral Roberts, team of destiny. We call them the wagon for a reason. They took down Oregon in, again, a crazy, crazy fun super regional matchup. And they get here to Omaha. Great friend of the program, Dustin Demeter, former Oral Roberts. His cousin, Isaac Coffey, who's now with the Boston Red Sox, former Oral Roberts. So Oral Roberts has a special place in just baseball's heart. And they made it here, Pete. They got a good team from top to bottom. They got funky bullpen arms. They got some good starters. And they got an offense that just jumps on you so quickly. Kind of reminds me of the Rangers in a weird way, where they can put up five runs on in an inning just like that, where they get a couple guys on base, and they play as a team. Such an exciting team to watch now in Omaha. But it's not star-studded, right? There's no Dylan Cruz. There's no Paul Skeens. But they got some guys. Jack. Yeah, I think if you're looking for star power, I think the 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 biggest name on their team right now is reliever Cade Denton, who's Summit League Pitcher of the Year. Lethal sink, sinker slider combo from a really uncomfortable sidearm slot up to 96. It's like hitting a bowling ball. Sweeping slider is is legit. And then offensively, as you mentioned, it's um, you know, they've they can swing it. They can really, really swing it, led by Jonah Cox hitting 420. I think his hitting streak is 47 games now. It's either 47 or 48. Regardless, it's super, super impressive. He's only he's only not gotten a hit in one of his 63 games played this year. So um, riding a 47-game hit streak, Matt Hogan, the South Carolina transfer, is hitting 332. Probably the biggest power threat on the team with 18 jacks. Same with Mac McCroskey with 13 to his name. Um and they just, when they get guys on, they know how to get them in. It's a team that manufactures runs, um, but they can also hurt you with um, with the long ball. And then I think the pitching of the club is its strength with um, Jacob Hall leading the rotation along with Brooks Fowler. And then in the back end of the bullpen, that one-two punch of Jacob Widener coming at you, he looks like, a, I think I saw the comp on Twitter. It's like Randy Johnson, he's 6'7", 230, really long levers flying at you in his delivery and then going back to back with him and Denton, um, you know, that's, that's as good a combo as anyone in the country. And I know that on paper, they might be a little overmatched compared to the rest of the field, but with how Oral Roberts is playing, they play with no fear. They don't care who's in the other dugout, who's in the other batter's box. Um, They're going to be in attack mode and go after you for the whole time. So 
Um, they're gonna they're gonna pose a lot of problems for team in Omaha, and I'm not gonna put a ceiling on how far they can go. So I was gonna say, like, I naturally look for okay, who is the Max Acemus of this baseball team? And Acemus was America's leading scorer in basketball, and like took him to the Sweet 16. It's Cox, right? I pull up this stat page, and I'm like, hitting 420, 11 pumps. He's 28 for 31 in the stolen base department too. Guy screams dynamic. Uh, he's such a dynamic and fun player. And I think that he's a guy with the year he's having has, has, has played his way onto some draft boards and is going to play his way into a draft selection. It's a power speed combo. As you mentioned, he's a great runner. The 28 stolen bases is probably the most underrated part of his game. Um, and he's also got eight triples. Uh, he's a good defender in the outfield. And um, he's, I think that if you see the Cinderella story complete with an Oral Roberts national championship, it's going to be done by some big time performances from Jonah Cox, from Kate Denton um, and Matt Hogan. Those are going to be the three guys. I think that when looking back on this in a little less than two weeks, if they're, if they're dogpiling in Omaha, um, I think that it's going to be on the backs of those three guys. And we end with two of the shiniest teams and we start with Florida, man, Pete, I love Florida. So Florida got here by, you know, it was it was decently close. I thought South Carolina gave them a really good run, right? In game one, Florida wins five to four in a close matchup, but then Florida ended up dominating, winning four to zero in order to get here to Omaha. I could just list all of the incredible players, but I just feel like in this draft, a guy like Wyatt Langford is going somewhat undervalued because he has his counterpart in Dylan Cruz and, of course, Paul Skeens. But I do think that Wyatt Langford in some drafts could go number one overall because I think the bat is so special, not to mention Jack Caglione. And then you have Hurston Waldrop, who will go probably in the first round, maybe in the top half of the first round based on just his stuff profile. And then you got Brandon Sprout. You just have so many big leaguers on this team. And when I say the two shiny teams, I'm talking about Wake Forest and Florida. We'll end with Wake Forest. And LSU deserves to be in that league. The thing is, I always just felt that this entire season, that one and two were Florida and Wake Forest. What should fans expect when they turn on Florida in this College World Series? So I think with Florida, in the last six games, they've allowed just a total of 12 runs. And so their pitching, who has already been excellent coming into this point in the season, um, they're really, really turning it up. And it starts with Hurston Waldrop, as you mentioned, Super athletic right-hander and elite arm talent. I think he's got maybe the most upside of any arm in the draft. I think he's right there with Skeens. I know that he doesn't have the the necessary or the he doesn't really compare in terms of durability. Um, and there's a little more injury risk. Um, but he's got as much upside, I think, as Paul Skeens. The fastball. It's a it's an upper 90s riding fastball. It's a double plus split change. Slider again is a double plus offering. And then even a curveball that he mixed in is plus. And if you kind of look around the landscape of college baseball and you look around Omaha, um, I think that he is one of one in terms of having four legit plus pitches to his name. And then similarly with Sprout, it's a little more erratic command wise um, at times, but the fastball explodes out of his hand from a tough release height, upper nineties, and then the slider and, and, and change up again, both flash plus, And then, Rounding it out with Jack Caglione. Um, one, he's hitting 336 with 31 home runs at the dish. Pretty good. The, not bad. And then not to mention on the mound, he's leading the way with a 378 ERA. He has really, really hit his stride on the mound. Um, and he's got 81 Ks and 69 innings up to 99 from the left side. Uh, developing slider. His cutter's actually been pretty solid. It's the offering I might be most intrigued with, but those are three legit frontline starters. And then Ryan, uh, excuse me, Ryan, Brandon Neely in the back end of the bullpen has just been electric. Um, and he's absolute nails back there for him. And then kind of shifting focus to the plate. You mentioned him, Wyatt Langford. He might go 1 1 in other drafts. As you said, there's a chance he goes 1 1 even in this draft, uh, hitting 373, 24 doubles, 18 jacks. Good defender out in center field. Um, in the outfield, really good swing at the plate, legit bat speed, really engaged lower half. I love the, I love the finish a lot there. I, I could talk about his swing for ages, but Langford is Langford. And then Josh Rivera's really figured it out. Super violent bat speed. 
Um, but he's, which usually kind of leads to some swing and miss, but he's walking more than he's striking out 17 home runs. Uh, he's come through in the clutch for him. And then a pair of freshmen Luke Heyman and Cade Curland are each, uh, hitting above 300. And then I think the, the most underrated guy in the lineup might be BT Ryapel at this point. I know he's, he's hitting 250. Uh, he's a little bit of an older guy, but in the postseason, I don't know who's come through with more clutch hits than Raya Pell. And again, I think that with Travinsky on LSU, who could come through with a big time home run or, or basis clearing double in a big spot. I think the guy for Florida, obviously outside of Langford and, and Rivera up at the top, I think Raya Pell, uh, he, he might come through with a huge hit in Omaha for him. So uh, they're really, really playing well. The talent on the roster is immense and um, they, they've got as good a chance as anyone to come out of this on top. My one follow-up on Florida, you know, monitoring the draft conversation, especially with the organization that I'm in right now in Indianapolis, like the pirates are picking one, one. So it was Cruz going into this year. And then Langford had that crazy start to the year. So it might be Wyatt Langford. And then now you're having the underslot conversation with Max Clark. Like you've heard other names, even though Cruz has always been the top dog. Is this yeah, upcoming, think... is this upcoming draft lottery? Just like the Caglione sweepstakes. What's the deal? Gosh, for 24, I think I think it's tough to not have Jack Caglione one one right now. Um, but I don't think, you know, that it's so far off and so much can happen between now and the next draft that I don't think teams are are ever really going to tank for that one one spot, even though I know right now it's it's looking like it's gonna be Oakland. But um I don't think teams right now are necessarily in tank mode or will ever be. But as far as this draft goes, I think in the from what I've heard, I think that the that there's a pretty set group of five at the top. You can slice it however you want. Um, there's a chance that they go in any sort of order to an extent. But I think that there are five names that that are going to be your top five picks and then one or two outside that that have a, a very outside shot of working their way in. But I think in the top five, you you have your you have your five names that are going to go in that order. Yeah, so Langford's in that top five. I was just thinking, is is Caglione like so far and away the number one, and there's no other conversation in twenty four, or are there other guys that factor in? Um, I think Caglione right now um, is the is the pretty clear one one guy. Um, I think another one to focus on, obviously, is Vance Honeycutt at North Carolina, Brody Brecht at Iowa. That kid, um, who I know that we'll be talking about a lot as we get into the twenty twenty four draft, and even in the next college season. I think that those are three guys that are up there um, in that one, one discussion. And then at the prep level, I think that Connor Griffin is certainly up there um, out of Louisiana. And then at, or I think actually, excuse me, Connor's from Mississippi, but anyways, I think those three of Caglione, Brecht and um, Honeycutt yeah. and Honeycutt are the, are the three favorites for one, one I'd say right now with Caglione <laughs> being the favorite. Gotcha. So just going back to those five um, you named that'll that'll probably be the top five picks in this draft. I think it's going to be Skeens, Cruz, and Langford in whatever order it is. They may the Pirates may go underslot. We don't know, but I think those other two are interesting because for me personally, it'd be Walker Jenkins, the prep outfielder, who I think is such a freaking nature, and then I'm still in love with Jacob Wilson. I know he doesn't make a ton of quality contact, but he doesn't whiff ever. You're, and I like him at short. Yeah, go ahead. You're leaving Clark out. I am leaving Clark out. So I was going to say you're four for five because the five names it I it's Wilson for Clark, not in that order. But uh, Clark Clark is going to I think go in the top five. Clark's going to go in the top five too. Okay, so that makes sense. I I personally would go Jacob Wilson, but it's hard to go against Max Clark. But those are the five with Jenkins as the four. Those three college guys, and then Clark and. Who would you take personally, just getting off track a little bit between Jenkins and Clark? Ooh, there, I talked about it with Arm a little bit on the call up, but it's so it's such a difficult pick because they're each two out, excuse me, outstanding talents at the high school level. Clark is a five tool guy. Um, you've got high impact big leaguer written all over him. He's he's tooled to the max. Um, but personally, I'd probably go Jenkins. Um, just Again, personal preference, not a knock on Clark at all. Just, you know, Clark's an excellent player in his own right. I think I just slightly lean Jenkins. 
Eileen Jenkins too. And we end with Wake Forest, otherwise known as Rake Forest. I actually thought there would be a slight chance that they would have a problem with Alabama in the Supers. And it showed up in game one when they just won that game five to four. And then Wake Forest did Wake Forest things by winning 22 to five. They got the Bash brothers, which we know as Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. But now it's Nick Kurtz and Brock Wilkin. And then they have the Kevin Gosman clone in Rhett Louder on the mound too. Pete, this is my biggest future. I'm the most excited about Wake of any college baseball team I think I've ever seen. They are so much fun to watch, and we're going to get into our predictions. Uh, you probably know where I'm leaning. Talk about I, Wake so Forest. Because I, we I know, I know you're going to go with the Deeks, but I think I was talking about it with someone the other day, and if they can, if they win, if they win the national title, um, both given what their overall record would look like at the end of the year and the talent they have on this team, um, they're going to be in the conversation, I think, for one of the best college teams of all time, if they can win it. Um, the They are 52-10 and 10 right now. They rolled through regional play and super regional play. I think they outscored teams by a combined margin of 76-17 to 17 over five games, which is just like, I mean, that's beginner mode type stuff. And you talk about the lineup again, it's one through nine, I think, as much as any team in the country um that that can really really hurt you and um yeah we talk we talk about you know the bash brothers like tommy hockey might be the best leadoff hitter in the country oh my lord he's he's as dynamic as they come he's i i I just love watching him play he's a smaller guy um as a smaller guy myself i get fired up watching him play really good hands at the dish um and there's some sneaky impact in the bat too hitting 350 with 19 doubles and seven home runs um, he can really, really run. So if he puts a ball in the, in, in those big gaps at TD Ameritrader down the line, um, that's got triple written all over it. And as a draft eligible sophomore, um, I think he's a top five to six round type player. And then getting into it, Wilkin, 30 jacks, 357, not much else to be said about the Brocket. And then similarly with Kurtz, 370, 24 home runs to his name. He's 6'5. And I think what's most impressive about him for as long and as lanky as he is, he's pretty compact at the plate. I'd say um, really good control for the barrel, excellent hand eye coordination. It's a really unique profile for someone of his stature and he moves well over at first base too. I think it's the most underrated part of his game, the defensive Kurtz and he's really nimble over there. Can really stretch is super flexible, um, comfortable throwing to bases. And he's even, they're, they'll never stick him there just given how good he is at first base, but he is, he's mobile enough and in baseball has is good defensively enough to even man left or right field and be serviceable out there. So he's excellent. And then a couple of veterans with Pierce Bennett, who's hitting 357, Justin Johnson, who is a Lafayette transfer who has exploded onto the scene in Winston-Salem hitting over 340 with 16 jacks uh they can hurt you in so so many ways and then the pitching is the pitching like i mean the lineup is good enough to hit their way to a national championship but Rhett louder back-to-back acc pitcher of the year likely top 10 overall draft pick plus slider plus change up fastball to 96 can really really pitch i think that's his most impressive trait is his pitch ability and then you combine that with the stuff that he has it's 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 as good as anyone in Omaha, uh, maybe I think other than Paul Skeens, but uh, it's it's as good as any pitcher in the country. And then Sullivan and Hartle, the two southpaws. Sullivan, I know, has drawn jerpy comps with the low release height, 108 Ks in 64 innings. With him, it's it's an explosive fastball from that slot. And I know that the listeners might be thinking explosive. You know, he's only 99-2, but from that slot, and, and especially when it's elevated, it really gets on hitters. And I think that's what makes him really good. And the slider is a, is a budding secondary offering. And then with Hartle, I think he's more of a kind of uh, closer to louder, just given how he, how he knows how to pitch. But again, it's excellent command fastball up to 93. He's taken that velo jump and it, and it wasn't a sizable one, but it was one that was enough to make him a really, really dominant starting pitcher. He's now one 91, 94, 1993, which for him is, is a, is a good spot and in a place he can keep adding on to, but with, excuse me, similar to louder, it's a, it's a plus change up breaking balls really coming along. And I think with 
with Hartle, he's developed a cutter into in, instead of a slider, and it acts like a slider, but it's got really late breaking action. It's difficult on both righties and lefties. It kind of ties righties up, and for lefties, they'll just wave and miss at it. So it's three front-end starters for Wake, three guys who I think in this year's draft with Louder and Sullivan, Louder obviously first-round talent. Sullivan, I think, is a top-five-round talent. And then in next year's draft, I mean, Hartle's one of the best starting pitchers in the class. So uh, it's just it, – it it's an incredible amount of ability at Coach Walter's disposal. And then, of course, the bullpen is lights out too because you've got Cam Manassi and Seth Keener who can also – Keener can also start and, and be stretched out. But Manassi at the back end is is as electric as they come, both in terms of mound presence and stuff with his – 96 mile hour fastball and hammer slider. And then obviously a celebration and then an underrated guy who I think in Omaha is going to really be a key for the Deeks is Michael Massey. Um, who's kind of a late inning setup type guy, two, five, 80 RA 71 K's in 38 innings fastball, 94, 97 with riding life slider has emerged as a plus breaking ball. Um, only hitters are hitting only 162 against him. Um, and not only looking at Omaha and who could be kind of the unsung hero on the mound for the Deeks and looking towards next year as someone kind of the next wake arm in that, in that arm barn, um, so to speak is, is Massey. So, uh, they can beat you in so many ways. They can hurt you in so many ways. They have no problem getting in a shootout. They have no problem being a pitcher's duel and both matchups kind of favor how they play. So, um, a little bit of a spoiler to my pick too. I don't, I don't see a team beating this beating this Wake Forest team twice. So we we got the pick there. Uh, before we get your you know final statement, like good team dominant college baseball teams win in every facet of the game, and I'm just looking at like the team numbers compared to their opponents. Wake hit two o or hit three o nine as a team this year. Opponents hit two o three. Wake had a two eight four ERA. Opponents had an 899 ERA. And I needed to bust out the calculator just to make sure I didn't screw this up. In 62 games, do you know what the run differential was? No, I it was I honestly though, like no, I don't even I don't even know. I'd I'd probably say over 250 though. 376. 376 oh. divided by 62. They're beating opponents by an average of over six runs per game. That's unbelievable. Just, and the ACC is a, is a legit con- – it's one yeah. of the best conferences in baseball too. So, I mean, it's it's just adding to the lore of the 2023 Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Alabama was good. They beat the shit out of them. 22-5 yeah, to five in the last game. I thought they were good. I thought they had maybe a shot. Nope. So, last thing before you may crown Wake as champs or, or somebody else that you may think is a sleeper, TD Ameritrade is – one of the more publicly known pitchers parks in all of baseball, regardless of level homers are up over the past couple of years in the college world series. I think, do you think this is an offensively driven two weeks in Omaha or do you think pitching really comes out and eats? It's a great question because I think in college baseball this year, both given the new baseball and some uh, the potential for, of, of hot bats, uh, I think it'll be a little more offensive, but with the with the amount of arm talent that's going to be in Omaha this week, I don't. It's going to be difficult for anyone to muster up some of these really lopsided scores we saw in the regular season and regionals. So I think when all said and done, that that pitching will be king in the next week and a half. Got you. So to end the podcast, we'll go through the bracket because there's only eight teams left and we'll all give our predictions for each series. Just name the team that you think is going to win and maybe a one to two sentence summary. And we'll start with Pete, then go to Jack, then we'll end with me. So Pete, we got Wake Forest taking on Stanford, who advances. So it's interesting how they advance in Omaha. It goes by like winners of brackets. So it's like bracket one and bracket two. Um, so I think coming out of uh, out of bracket one, I think, which is what Wake is in, um, it's that, or it might be bracket two, but whatever that bracket is with Wake, LSU, Tennessee, and Stanford, I have Wake coming out of. Okay. Jack, what, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go Stanford just for the hell of it. I'm bought in. Pete, I'm sticking with you. We're going with Wake. So on the other side of the bracket, uh, we got Florida, we got Virginia. 
We got Oral Roberts and we got TCU. Pete, who you got? As much as I love Oral Roberts and how good of a team they are is how hot as TCU is. Oh, I'm going to go with Virginia. I think that, uh, you know, they, they've been here before. So is Florida, but um, I think in the end that they're going to, they're going to win over the Gators in a really tight game to advance to the final. Jack. Florida, that pitching trio from hell is hilarious with Waldrip, Cags, and, and Sprout. Yeah, I'm going to go with Florida, too. I just I can see Virginia taking one. I could see it being one of the more competitive series in this thing. I just can't see them beating them twice. I could, I could just more easily see Florida advancing, but don't sleep on Oral Roberts. <laughs> and Pete, who you got winning the whole thing? So in my hypothetical ACC final with Wake and UVA, I alluded to it earlier. Wake is so well route, so well rounded on both sides of the baseball. I just don't think anyone's going to beat him twice. And UVA unfortunately falls into that bucket. I have the Deeks taking on the title. Jack, I had Stanford, Florida. I had Stanford for the hell of it. I had a real reason for Florida, and for that reason, I go with the Florida Gators. Fair enough. I got Wake taking on Florida. Could be the greatest ending to a college world series of all time if those two teams meet. But I'm going with Wake Forest. I'm going with the Demon Deacons. They're just too damn good. I that 22 to 5 win over Alabama like just blew the doors off for me. Cause I was like, I like Wake Forest to win after that. And maybe it's recency bias. But I had a lot of respect for Alabama and I just couldn't believe the ass kicking that they gave Alabama. So I'm taking Wake Forest to win. That'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Pete Flaherty you can find his work on Baseball America. Pete, greatly appreciate you coming by and breaking down the College World Series for us. Remember, we are brought to you by BetMGM. Use promo code Just Baseball when you sign up. Get back up to $1,000 in bonus bets by using that code. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. The best way to support this podcast is to get your Just Baseball merch. I'm rocking my Just Baseball hat. But of course, if you don't want to spend a dime and you're not a gambler, no worries at all. If you could rate and review this podcast five stars, whether that be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Pete, any parting words before we say goodbye? Nothing. It's a pleasure as always, boys, and thanks for having me on. And with that, thank you, everybody. Thank you.